episode of unwise girls i'm your host jacqueline and i'm your other host jane and we're here today to uh, discuss the penultimate chapters of the serpent's shadow by rick riordan your favorite author i guess uh how are you doing I today jane not. <laughs> well you know uh i'm i'm doing all right thank you uh i've i ate some cookies today which i haven't done for a while how are you Ooh, what kind of cookies uh raspberry and white chocolate that sounds so fucking tasty. They're very tasty. I had um, like peanut butter cookies with like little candies in them. Ooh, fuck yeah! So we're 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 living the cookie life here on <laughs> on, on Unwise Girls. Uh, but speaking of cookies, we're going to be cooking up a new episode for you right now. Uh, and uh, you know, I think uh, shall we just like dive right into the summaries? Uh, I think we should. Let's go. All right. Um, chapter. I've co- of course, uh, should be noted that I did pre-write all of these summaries as I always do. Uh-huh. Uh, chapter 18. Nope. Nope. <laughs> okay. Jane, here's the summaries. I'm ready. And just for fun, just for fun, I'm not going to say what chapters anything happens in. <laughs> um, I'm just going to give a straight up summary. Uh, I wrote it. Uh, and so what happens is that Zia and Carter are going through the land of demons until they get there and do the summoning spell, which is actually just a normal summoning spell. And Setne is like, ha ha, I tricked you assholes. Uh, and so he tries to leave because he traps them in mummy cloth, but Sadie arrives and saves them. And uh, so the shadow sends a distress call to all the forces of chaos and they arrive. But as the armies of demons, army of demons attack, uh, Tawaret and Bez arrive to save them. Bez is back. Yay. Uh, and including all the gods from the nursing home. And they all fight the demons. And uh, they all drive through the crowd. And they're picked up by Ra's boat. Uh, the next chapter happens. Uh, Ra is reborn. Uh, and Zia hosts him. And they get back to the mortal world where Apophis is attacking the Great Pyramid. And so while the gods fight Apophis, they go in to help Amos and Brooklyn House uh, save the first gnome. They find Leonid, their Russian buddy, bleeding out, but Sadie tries to save him, even though it probably won't work. Uh, so they pass the Hall of Ages. Uh, they find all the realm magicians fighting the kids. Walt shows up and does epic shit. Uh, and then the next chapter happens. And that one is, uh, I don't remember what it's called. Uh, and so Amos is there and he's using the power of set to attack. And there's a big, epic, awesome fight between all of them and the rebel magicians and uh, Kwai. Uh, once Kwai... Uh, is like kind of the last one standing. He's like, ha ha, I am the host of Apophis. Uh, so everyone teams up to fight him and Sadie summons Ma'at and ever, and the first gnome is saved. Uh, so the other gods come around and, uh, and Ra is like, Carter, you are now the Pharaoh. And he said, and he says, now all you other gods, you have to listen to Carter and circuit the scorpion arm from the first book is like, you want me to help this fucking kid? Oh yeah. Is he strong? And so Carter murders her. Uh, and, uh, but she comes back. So it's fine. Apophis rises. They all fight against Apophis. Uh, he kind of like does like an, like a multi-level duot fight. 
Um, so everyone is fighting, uh, but, and it goes okay-ish, pretty badly, actually. But then Apophis eats Zia slash Ra, uh, and Carter is like, no, I'm so sad. My girlfriend just died, but also I'm conflicted because is this gay now? (laughs) Um, and then Sadie and Carter do the execration and that's where it ends. Uh, two things. One, the chapter that you didn't remember the name of is called Death Boy to the Rescue. Uh, very good name horus that shows up to help carter take control of all the gods not ra that that's that's your feedback uh uh eight out of ten very well improvised summaries so i didn't i i did say beforehand that these would be pre-written uh unfortunately (laughs) my my like phone broke today which caused me a lot of consternation and i had to like go fucking everywhere (laughs) around places to get it fixed and a lot of shit was happening uh so these were pre-written by the fine folks at uh the riordan wiki oh (laughs) uh is most of what i was reading there with a little bit of improvisation to add stuff or subtract stuff I, uh, I couldn't possibly tell that the uh, the bits about Carter thinking things were gay were <laughs> Jacqueline originals. Oh, oh you know. Uh, I, I like the fucking phrasing in this wiki. Um, uh, they're we're picked up by Ros- podcast crime again. It's fine. They're picked <laughs> up by Rosbo and guarded by other gods, such as Sobek. Ra then turns from a senile old man to a young strong man. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, anyway, what's your thing of these chapters today, Jane? Um, while you were doing your summaries, I was reminded of, um, there's this old video on YouTube about, like, a cancelled Batman versus Superman project. Okay. And, like, the, these two guys on a podcast, they kind of, they go through it, they lay out the plot bit by bit, and all the fight scenes between Batman and Superman. But the fight scenes are also like weird and inconsequential that they're all summarized as just then they punch for a bit and then it kind of moves on. Uh-huh. And I feel like that's kind of the action in these chapters. That's true. The thing that like makes these okay to read is that like occasionally someone will come in and do something epic and I'm like, whoa, pretty cool. But otherwise it's like, okay, it's another little skirmish. Eh, I don't know. It, it's like fine. Uh, yeah, no, there's some cool moments in these fights, for sure. Uh, I like I like Amos controlling set. That's nice. Oh, for sure. I like uh, Sadie kind of coming to terms with, like, trying to keep her life in balance. As, like, yeah. the moment where she masters my art. That's cool. Yeah, but I, I think the problem is that it does kind of end up melding together. Mm-hmm. Like, it does just kind of feel like it's flowing from one fight into another and not the smoothest way possible. Yeah, and I think it's just, again, kind of the way that the King Chronicles does action bogs it down a bit. Uh Uh-huh. Like, this is still better than a lot of stuff that we've gotten before. It's certainly better than the final battle in Throne of Fire. Oh, incredibly true. Uh, It has, like, emotion and, like, woo, Bez is back. Like, Mm -hmm. there's nice stuff here. Uh, wait, okay, that reminds me. Do you, what's up with the part where Be- where Bast was like, I won't emotionally manipulate you anymore, Buzz? Yeah, what the fuck? I, she didn't. This ha- yeah, this happens at the end of these chapters. I guess we're presupposing now that Bast actually, that that wasn't just Tawaret, like, being mad at Bast for no reason, but Bast actually was, like, manipulating Bez, uh, and, like, using his feelings in a very bad way. Uh... <laughs> Like, both Bast and Bez seem to think that this is true. 
And I just, that was never the vibe I got from their relationship in Throne of Fire. Yeah, like, even even his introduction, like, Bast, Bast, like, it says, like, oh, I have a friend who'll come over and help you out. And it doesn't sound like she's, like, manipulate, like, like, done it slyly or anything like that. It just kind of sounds like, oh, yeah, a buddy of mine. Yeah, and, like, again, even if Be- Bez is doing it because he thinks Bast is hot, that he's a fucking adult. <laughs> Yeah, like again, she's not this like isn't... bewitching him with her fucking magic. But she is, Jane. She is in fact <laughs> bewitching him with. Uh, but but he's like, no, no worries, Bast. I've got a new hot mama in my life. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I do. I do, I, I like it. I do like it when Bez comes back. I'm just like, yay! I, I like the silly guy. I I liked Bez coming back. I I was really hoping that there was something that just like really funny and fucked up that would happen. <laughs> What? So they they hop onto the sunboat when that shows up. Uh-huh. Uh huh. But one thing that um I think Carter mentions is like, oh, you know, if we had missed the sunboat, we'd have been sealed in the duart for the rest of the night. And we've been through that before, and it wasn't very fun. Uh huh. And I thought it'd be like really funny if they got stuck in the duart and they had to trade Bez's soul again to get out. <laughs> <laughs> It'd be so fucked up. <laughs> That's so funny, though. God, <laughs> it'd be so funny if like Carter was like, "Okay, I guess." Like Carter's like, "Well, Bez, you've got to do it again." And Car- and Bez is like, "I already did it once." I think it's like <laughs> your you, turn, Carter. Your turn. <laughs> God, yeah, I I just I would love to see Konsu again. We do see Konsu again. He's come back to fight on the side of the gods. Uh, did he? Which, I, you know, genuinely, I didn't. I don't remember noticing him. He was in the list of gods who came back. Yeah. Okay, he's just in like a list bit. Yeah, it was like, oh, and there's Konsu, and there's Happy, and there's all of them. Uh, it kind of turns into that old um, uh, Lemon Demon video, the ultimate showdown of Ultimate Destiny at the end there. A little listing, bit. Listing more stuff to appear and fight. Yeah. Do you say Lemon Demon? I don't know how the fuck to pronounce it. I've been yelled at for pronouncing it Lemon Demon before have you okay yeah. well whoever yelled at you yell at me too i guess <laughs> uh yeah no it's it it becomes like do you remember all these gods yes great they're here i do think it's hilarious when carter just fucking murks one of them that is very funny when circus just like oh are you strong enough to deal with us and he just explodes her like it's simultaneously just like a very comedic moment and also like oh this is how far carter has come uh because like obviously they have like an entire chapter of having to run away and cry and scream at, uh, uh-huh. in the first book yeah it's kind of like a slightly shittier version of um percy fighting the minotaur in last olympian yeah god that was so fucking good <laughs> <laughs> oh man yeah no it thinking about it like it is just kind of feeling feel like it does hit that same beat in a way that is just like less effective yeah i mean it's still not bad no it's not bad like it's like it's good it just like hits differently because it's like going for something different too right it's like Mm -hmm. the the minotaur thing is very straightforwardly like this is how far he has come that's kind of more under the surface of this scene Mm mm-hmm uh, yeah, Carter's it's more Carter, car- bec- like becoming more confident and becoming a leader, as opposed to just like raw power. 
Yeah, this is such a boring character arc for Cart. I, I knew it was going to just continue to be this, but yeah. I really wish his character arc was something other than become Pharaoh. Be king, man. I don't know. It's just not particularly interesting to me. We've talked about, like, the young adult novel, like, grow up and, you know, grow up and become, you know, what's what's the word? It's, there's, Coming like, a very age. straightforward coming of age yeah this is very coming of age in a way that i'm just like not super interested in for the series the thing is we're doing like the boring bit of coming of age now where carter like metaphorically learns to do his taxes by learning that sometimes rules are the best thing actually Uh uh-huh which is just not very exciting (laughs) well like what for instance i mean the the moment where um he's uh at the sea of chaos and is like, um, uh, oh wait, is that where he's at the Sea of Chaos? There's a moment where he's thinking about the obelisk, and he's like, no, rules are actually the best, and I need to do the the right thing instead of the easy thing. I think that's later on when he's like fighting Apophis, and Apophis it, is like yeah. once more, once more tempting him and being like, if you lay down arms, we'll spare you. And th- there's a part that actually is really good here, where Carter is like, I there's a moment where I just felt like a scared little kid, and I just wanted to ha- be able to feel like a scared little kid who doesn't want to die. Mm-hmm. Uh, I thought that was like pretty. That was pretty good. Um, but overall, just like kind of weak. Uh, just like not especially inspiring or interesting to me yeah oh like and like i guess to give my overall impression on these chapters i think they're like good um but i i don't think i don't think they're quite as good as like the preceding ones yeah i basically agree with you i think like some of the good stuff in the last few chapters carries over but i think this these chapters also have to like cash some checks that the rest of the series and this book have are not necessarily able to pay Definitely. I don't know if that's how that expression goes, but no, yeah, I think that's basically right. The the, the checks are bouncing. Mm-hmm. Who the fuck's Julian? <laughs> we see Julian twice in these chapters. I literally, I did no no exaggeration. Do not know who the fuck this character is. Julian's one of the <laughs> Julian's one of the kids, one of the Brooklyn House kids. I He's, I'd, he I figured that much from con. Was he like in the first few chapters? He was in the last book, like he was in the like the montage sequence, uh, uh, where he was the one who's also under Horus. Like he's, oh yeah, he's like, yeah, uh, he. But like in this book, he stayed behind and didn't go to Texas, Texas with them. Because I remembered we they tried to do a thing where they were kind of like fleshing out the B team a bit, and then almost immediately dropped that to focus on the only good characters. Uh huh. <laughs> I wish they fleshed out the B team a bit more. I want to know like yeah. what why carter and sadie care about these kids so like i get it because like oh you know cute kids but at the same time it's like i want the relationship fleshed out more i'd like to know what felix's fucking damage is Uh uh-huh he just a cute kid who likes penguins okay cute kid who deploys penguins as fucking predator drones Uh uh-huh yeah i think the only thing that gives you joy in life and using it as a weapon yeah i think he's just like freezing people to death now too yeah he's like putting them in snowmen so they get hypothermia god yeah no i you know you could say that just like it's a metaphor really like he's using the thing that has brought him joy but unfortunately he has to he's been mobilized to war and now his joy has been turned to (laughs) turned to hatred in a sense i don't think this series is really going to go in that direction 
you know, it's it's really an anti-war message overall. Uh, it's not. It's not. Speaking of um, weird political overtones. Uh-huh. Um, Rick Riordan here lays out the case that the 2011 Egyptian revolution was started by Apophis trying to stir up some shit. Pardon me? I... <laughs> When, um, Did when I miss this? It's kind of a throwaway thing, but it is like like explicitly laid out. When um, uh, the sunboat arrives in Egypt and Sobek is like, oh, hail everyone, the sun god Ra has returned. Carter says like, um, oh, nobody was out to praise Ra. Uh, I'd heard about all the recent troubles in Egypt that were kind of keeping everyone indoors. And only now did I realize that it was probably Apophis stirring up shit to make way for his final attack and this book was written a year after like there was a massive uprising in egypt oh my god i didn't even realize that yeah <laughs> i'm not an expert on this i just read about it on wikipedia when i no, saw I'm it, also reading it about this on wikipedia. yeah i'm also <laughs> reading about this on wikipedia now uh yeah fascinating uh incre- rick riordan loves to do this though yeah, uh, we we also do have in these chapters the magician who apparently caused the Boxing Day tsunami and killed over 200,000 people. Uh-huh. I mean, when I read that, I initially read that as like, I guess because I didn't know the context, I, I read that as like, oh, everyone is scared of the big snake, so they're hiding in their homes. But I, 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 I guess I understand. was actually people protesting for a higher minimum wage. Yeah, I guess we can we can give the benefit of the doubt and say that maybe the snake was was I don't know was the state or something. I I don't think that really fits into how Rick Ryden understands these things. If it's between no. like quote unquote chaos and order. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Ah. To be clear, I don't think he thought about it that hard. I think he saw on the news that there was like some troubles in Egypt and thought, aha snake god <laughs> oh this fucking god we watched we watched gods of egypt on the bonus feed uh, we did and it sucked so fucking bad we talked about it for 30 minutes uh <laughs> we never talk about things that long in the bonus episode it has to be like a monster chunk of homestuck pages for it to get even close to that and uh, it really somehow it makes me appreciate Apophis in this book. There was one Apophis scene that actually did super stand out to me. It's when Carter like basically enters like the maelstrom, like the eye of the storm around Apophis, and sees like his like most true form, I guess, which is just a big snake. But like <laughs> there, there's the moment where it's like he describes like the pink of Apophis's open mouth, and it like got under my skin super bad because like. There's something so fucking frightening about a snake opening its mouth to me. Like the the pink of a snake's mouth is one of the scariest things in the world to me. Yeah, no, I yeah, because there's always that the shot in movies where like the snake lunges at the camera and you can see its mouth when it's doing that. Yeah, yeah, or just like I don't know. So I I actually thought that was pretty like well, pretty well executed on. Um, and that I, I in general I kind of like that scene. Just to go on a, a slight tangent here, because you because you brought it up, uh, it's not Rick Ryden's fault. But in retrospect, it's very funny that uh, the people in this book swear by saying "gods of Egypt," because <laughs> it is it it can be substituted in for a curse word. I think it is synonymous with shit. It's like I stub my toe on something and I just yell like, "Oh, the room." <laughs> anyway, sorry, you were saying. What's up with? I'm fascinated by all the gender in these chapters. 
a lot's going on with that, huh? Because okay, this is the this is the least like thing, but the rhetoric of it, like the the specific way that Sadie talks about Walt now, feels so much like <laughs> a disgruntled like ex or like mother or family member who is like doesn't know how to adapt to like using the right pronouns for their non-binary child. Um, like yeah. she just specifically said, like let me let me get the specific line because it's like Sadie is like. Sadie is talking, like, is so confused and frustrated with her feelings, and she's like, oh, like, oh, fuck. Nevertheless, I couldn't stop thinking about him slash them, the way their warm brown eyes merge together so perfectly, and how natural Anubis's smile, etc., etc. Yeah, there's, like, the one I highlighted was, (laughs) did I hate him? Was it them? Gods of Egypt? I wasn't even sure what to call him anymore. (laughs) Like, Sadie, fucking ask your boyfriend what their pronouns are. God, so true. Like, <laughs> it, literally, just be like, "What name do you want me to call you? What pronouns do you want me to use?" Like, it's e- it, surely it'll be easy for a god of Egypt to, to you know, give you that information. <laughs> I, but I feel like the much funnier one here is is Carter. <laughs> <laughs> he is having a fucking wild day. <laughs> uh huh. <laughs> Can you can you explain the card like because I, I guess I said it in the summary but like so yeah we this was something that was kind of hinted at before but uh, now officially happens is uh, Zia hosts Ra she is now now part sun god and that also means she is part wrinkly old guy uh-huh and, and- Carter is kind of a bit fucked up by this. Yeah, and to be clear, like, when Ra transforms, he doesn't actually become, like, a young man, despite what the wiki says. He becomes, like, he just becomes, like, a buff grandpa. Yeah, he's just, he's just fucking, like, J.K. Simmons or something. Yeah, he's, like, 60 years old and ripped. (laughs) Uh, And Carter is having some conflict about that. He's, like... It's and it's incredibly the way that Sadie's lines read incredibly like what I described before. This reads incredibly like he is having like some incredible like sexuality confusion. <laughs> <laughs> like he, he does not know what to do uh, now that his hot girlfriend is also a sexy old man. <laughs> I mean, I, this feels like such a fringe case. I don't know how I'd react to something like this either. <laughs> No, I I think <laughs> I can't blame him. It just really feels like damn. Maybe we should have had this segment. God, should, yeah, fuck the segment. The end of the, I mean, this isn't the end of the book. We have three more chapters left. They haven't even executed prophecy yet. Uh, they could lose for all we know. Uh, but which I don't think they will because they're we have a we know they're telling us this later on. But we do. This is not the end of the King Chronicles. It did just occur to me that we um, we kind of unofficially did the segment last week by believing that um, fucking Walt and Anubis were like shitty prankster bro boyfriends. That's true. We should just start incorporating this into our, into our like every episode conversation just like naturally instead of making it a segment. <laughs> Sadie is... I guess Sadie's still straight. But uh, Carter... Something's going on with Carter there. <laughs> Carter's gonna gonna lie awake at night and think about this at the very least. He's, he's just having stare such at the a fucking ceiling. He's just having such a major case of the not gaze, <laughs> like in the way that not in the way that he is usually described, but 
Just like I'm, he's like, I'm not gay. I'm not gay. I'm not gay. At the very least, I'm glad that it's not like actively homophobic or anything. It isn't. It isn't. It's at the. It's at the most a character, like dealing with their own shit. It's just fine. Yeah. Because I feel like like. 2011 2012 when this book came out it could very easily have gone that direction and would have probably been like viewed as acceptable at the time oh for sure uh sarah jacoby and why still could are just so uninteresting they could just be cut out of this fucking book they are not necessary no they really aren't and like i'm so like it's like oh yeah okay so you're gonna describe Kwai as like oh he's like a what what, what carter say (laughs) Like one of those martial arts monks who can defy gravity. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks. It's, it's, Good job describing one of the only Asian characters in this series like that. God, it's great. It's great. It's fucking great. Uh, and Sarah Jacoby is just like the schizophrenic witch of the West. Yeah. The yeah, she's riding around. Did she? Is it a flying carpet on a storm uh, cloud? And, I think. A storm cloud, and she's just like throwing knives. She's fucking Lakitu from Mario Kart. Yeah, which and that should be so cool. I think it should be cool that there is a villain throwing knives from a cloud. I gotta say, in in terms of uh, fights where villains in uh, Cairo throw knives at the hero, uh, this is the second best one I've ever seen. Uh huh. The the first one is the end of uh, Stardust Crusaders. Oh, okay. I've never finished Stardust Crusaders. I need to, I I need to force you to watch the rest of Stardust Crusaders. I keep saying I'm going to do it, and then I forget. I will not do that. <laughs> Maybe I will. I don't know. Uh, this is now a JoJo podcast. Uh, Jane, what do you think of the episode with the monkey? Uh, not good. Probably skip that one. <laughs> this has ended our JoJo podcast. <laughs> but yeah, J- Jacoby and Kwai, this... Like, going to stop um, the attack on the first gnome feels like wrapping up a side quest in Mass Effect before you go to do the final mission. It really does. The, no, nothing really happens, apart from, I guess, the Russian dude dies. I think he dies, like, off-screen as well. Like, they just leave him bleeding out on the floor. He's in the legion of, like, oh, Doughboy, there's Leonid, there's... <laughs> who did we add to this last time? Um, we added oh uh uh Shabtizia. Oh God, yeah. I d- God, I did think it was very funny when um Shabti were described as like a minor thing, like a minor magical thing, like an amulet. And I'm like, <laughs> Carter, you're talking about your fucking ex. He's coping. Uh, Setne, <laughs> Setne almost he almost gets away with it. I I love Setne still. <laughs> Not a lot of him in these chapters, but he's great. Like, the reveal that he figured out how to, like, he did, like, a slippery lie while, like, holding the truth feather is pretty good. Uh, and, like, him him almost escaping, but, like, Sadie, like, landing on his head and knocking him out is super good. Him being like, oh, there's no way that a miracle is just gonna drop out of the sky and save you, and then Sadie literally appearing on top of him and falling on his head. Like, it's, it's so obvious and so on the nose that it comes right back around to being really fucking funny. It's incredible. It's incredible. <laughs> God. It's so funny. Also, thinking about what we talked about last episode, we were, like, right on the money when we were like, oh, he's probably just making them wear those disguises to fuck with them. <laughs> like, <laughs> we were right. Like, those were traps. Oh, he also get he runs away. He, like... 
uh, Setney, they like they tie him up, they drag him back along the pier into the land of demons. They take their eyes off him for like five seconds, and he's fucking gone. The mental image I have is of, is of him like wriggling away like a worm, wriggling for his fucking life. And he, you know, he gets away, but I imagine he's just like fell into the chaos at some point. God, it'd be so he's... funny if he actually got away, but you can't see where he's going, so he just falls into the sea. God. <laughs> It's like going downstairs without looking down. Have you done that before? It's so scary. I know. Lately, I've been having this thing where my glasses fall off my face constantly. Oh, no. Uh, so unless I actively hold them up, uh, then they will fall down while I'm going down the stairs. Uh, no, you can just like readjust your glasses mid-sentence to look smart. Oh, I definitely have been doing that. <laughs> uh, but, but also, I was taking the trash out earlier. And so I had like three things of trash in each hand. And so I couldn't like hold my glasses while I walked down the stairs. So I was just like looking up at the ceiling like, oh God, I need to like feel these stairs with my feet. I, I can think of two things right away that you could do instead. Okay. Uh, one, depending on how bad your eyes are, you could just like take the glasses off. Like I feel like seeing the stairs blurry is better than not seeing them at all. I guess so. Uh, B, you could get like one of the, you know, librarians have those like, um, uh, beaded threads that they put on the back of their glasses. Okay. I've actually been thinking about doing that to be honest. You should get that A, because it'd be useful and B, because I think it would suit you. Thank you. Yeah. I've, I've definitely been thinking about that. So I think I, I'll, I'll probably honestly try that out. (laughs) I don't know where they sell those though. That's, you know what? That's, I think they just like spontaneously appear if you're a librarian for long enough. I guess I have to get a library sciences degree or whatever. Yeah, I, you could just, like, I guess, hang around at the library for a while. Until they hire me? Exactly. Or just, like, or just give you the, the, the string. Maybe they know that people hang around looking for those. Like, you've been around the books long enough. Here's <laughs> your reward. <laughs> oh, wait, this is fascinating. So what other jobs give you, like, accessories and, like, appearance customization? Being a conservative MP for long enough gives you a pair of fishnet stockings to wear under your trousers. What? (laughs) I don't know. What else is there to say? You know, it's the big climactic fight, and it's all right, and it's okay. Uh, It seems like... It's kind of like the Battle of the Labyrinth, but worse. Yeah. Yeah, the Battle of the Labyrinth honestly was not my favorite, but Percy Jackson battle, so I would compare the two for sure. Yeah, I mean, the, uh, the the main thing I would say is, like, we had way more attachment to Camp Half-Blood as a location, which gave the battle a lot more weight. Like, I don't give a fuck about the first gnome. Yeah, but it is actually used effectively as a setting at one point, mm-hmm. when I think it's Kwai. He, like, he's like, Carter's like, wait, what is that spell he just used? And he realizes that he used, like, the collapse uh, spell. Mm-hmm. And so the first gnome just start, and like we've had this set up since the first book, the fear of claustrophobia, the danger of like living underground. Oh, yeah. And now it actually starts to like fucking fall around them and it's it's a pretty good payoff. Shit, you're right, I didn't even think of that. Uh oh, we get a really nice moment between Carter and Sadie actually on the boat, which is just when when Carter is having his like not gay feelings and just like walks to the back of the boat in a daze because like what the fuck is happening? Mm-hmm. And just, you know, Sadie goes over and comforts him about that. Uh, and after a while, Carter guesses that something really fucked up happened with Walt and comforts her about that. So, it you know, I, I like Carter and Sadie. I think their relationship as siblings is just, like, nice and well fleshed out. And I enjoy seeing them. Yeah, it's really nice. 
Then they punch for a bit is like, I would say a good 60% of these pages. Yeah, and again, it's like largely fine. I just don't have a lot to say about it. Like, oh, I think it's like, okay, is there like a metaphor here with like Amos? Like he's he's like come to terms with like his trauma and he's like taken hold of his past, like he's taken hold of his past pain and like made it his own power in a way. That's kind of something. That's kind of cool. I wish it was given more focus because I do like Amos, but he's basically not been a presence in the series since book one. Yeah, that's very true. Like, I don't know. They're not, I, again, not the series autopsy. It just feels like, oh, there could be a, a lot more. I don't know. I'm. I feel like we can, we been... can slightly more justifiably series autopsy than usual just because we're getting a lot of like finale shit in these pages. Yeah. It is kind of you know, based on what the series as a whole has done to set it up, which in a lot of cases is not enough. Yeah, that's the problem, is that, like, I I would, I really enjoyed Amos. I really, like, think these kids are fun. I just wish that we got more focus on them. Like, I feel like the... I want it to either commit to being, like, a very character-focused, like, we, we, we go really into the struggles of, like, these kids and the house of, and the, like, Amos and all them, mm-hmm. or I want it to be, like, a rollicking world-traveling adventure story, and it really doesn't commit to either side. Yeah, it, it kind of, yeah, it just, it doesn't fully get the benefits of doing either approach. Yeah. Also, I, I'm sorry, I need to issue a retraction. Uh, I need okay. to shut the fuck up forever and stop criticizing Rick Ryan's genius writing. Okay, okay. Um, because I just said that uh, this is a lot of checks the series can't cash. I was wrong. This, this, uh, these chapters contain an amazing payoff that was set up all the way back in book one. I would love to hear about this. Uh, Jacoby and Kwai in their uh, hit wizard strike force bring <laughs> along the cheese master. Oh my god, wait, yes! The master this... of the fifth element, cheese. I fucking cheered when this happened. I was so excited. Like, it's like it's done so in passing that it's like you have to like go back and read it again. And be like, why the fuck is there a cheese master? Oh wait. Yeah, it's incredibly good. Like, it's such like a like a silly XD random like thing to add to this universe, but I think it's just hilarious, and it, I think it, that the fact. The first throwaway joke felt a lot like that, but I think the harder Rick commits to it and the more... Because this has happened before where people have actually used cheese in a fight. It starts to feel more and more like proper absurdist comedy. Yeah, it's better every single time. And, like, the fact that Sadie... Is it Sadie? I think Sadie kind of just, like, glances over it. Like, is like, wait, why is there a cheese guy here? Like, obviously, (laughs) she hasn't studied her elements. Yeah, you can. This is this is good characterization for Sadie as a slacker who simply does not understand the depths and complexities of magic. Yeah, I guess we should talk about Sadie more and specifically uh, her relationship with Walt Anubis. Walt mm-hmm. Anubis, Anault. Wanubis. Wanubis. Alt. <laughs> this is this is uh, Walt's alt account. <laughs> Uh, because she kind of, like, comes to terms with her feelings, and in a moment of, like, having to achieve perfect inner peace to combine with Isis, uh, she, uh, decides that she's basically okay with having two boyfriends in one body. 
She has a lights pipe seven vagines moment. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> I'm just saying she, she has that like just attitude of, you know what? I'm going to embrace what might be good about this situation. Which she, I mean, everything's super fucked up about it apart. She really should have. This is not, this seems like an awesome situation. It seems like an awesome situation that was also very obvious for quite some time. <laughs> Definitely. Like, <laughs> like, I get it. Sadie, you didn't realize you were too busy, you know, crying about, about jelly babies. Yeah. Um, but it's it, very obvious. And so the fact that Sadie, I don't know, I think, I think what I said I wanted was for Sadie to break up with him. Uh, <laughs> that was when we it, thought we were like, this is probably a prank, right? Uh-huh. <laughs> and I, I guess it still could be. We have three chapters left. This is true. I do, I, I do just like him showing, because I think, I don't know, I think it's kind of cool that he gets to, like, show up and not be like, oh, I'm dying uh, <laughs> anymore. Like, he actually gets to, like, flex his stuff. Yeah, I, I'm glad that Walt gets to do some stuff now. I guess same with Anubis. Anubis has also been kind of, like, sidelined in a way. Mm-hmm. Oh, uh, I'd like to uh, give Rick a shout-out. Uh, uh, shouts for, to Rick Dodge rolling uh, what could have been some really fucking dodgy imagery. Okay. Uh, which is also, also in the scene where um, Jacoby and Kwai are fighting Amos. Uh, they they start tying him up with a bunch of ropes. And it is specifically mentioned that um, uh, Jacoby puts a noose around Amos's neck. And then the next, the next we see Jacoby, she is standing behind Amos and it's described as she has it like a leash. Oh god. Like, that's not great, but I thought that it was gonna go in the direction of unintentional lynching imagery. That's horrifying. Which is where it very easily could have, so you know what? I'm I'm glad that that bullet was dodged. A, a different level of bad, I suppose. Yeah, no, it's still not great, <laughs> but... Yeah, uh, Rick Riordan loves to play and just, like, he just loves to write whatever he wants. <laughs> Maybe he's, maybe he's kind of getting the J.K. Rowling effect. Not in the uh, being a horrible hate criminal way, but in the like the like getting away from the editors a bit way. That would explain why these books are a bit longer. Are they longer? The Kane Chronicles books are definitely longer than the PGA books. The Heroes of Olympus books are for sure, because I've got the physical copies of those, and they are bigger than my Percy Jackson books. So The Serpent Shadow, the book we're reading right now, is 416 pages. Uh, Throne of Fire is 464. We can just round that up to like 880 uh and then uh red pyramid is 500 so let's just call that a thousand pages uh my copy of percy jackson the lightning thief is about 370 pages long and that is easily one of the longest books in the percy jackson series right yeah so they're definitely longer probably i mean i guess by overall page count not but yeah no like series wide shorter but book for book longer yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, definitely definitely they're longer in that case. The first book had about 40 chapters. Yeah. We were reading that book forever. No wonder we were sick of it. <laughs> yeah, maybe that's maybe that's why these next two have felt so fast-paced. I guess speaking of fast-paced, next episode we're finishing uh The Serpent's Shadow and I think what do you think? Will we just kind of do a series retrospective after that? I think a series retrospective after that we'll try our best to do like a proper autopsy without just repeating all the already very autopsy comments that we've made in previous episodes. We'll repeat things for sure, but we'll we'll try to collate them all into one structured whole. Yeah, we'll do we'll do the awards thing again maybe. Oh yeah, good idea. 
The problem is that there's not really as many characters we gave a fuck about this time around. There's not as many people to give awards to. That's very true. Uh, but I think that does it for us today. Award for character who I imagine as that one fucking lemur from Madagascar, Julian. <laughs> Horrifying. <laughs> uh, wait, what's the implication of Julian also being able to summon like fully a, just like a different avatar of Horus? I thought it was just, you know, he's also on the... the... I thought that was just what devotees of Horus could do, and then the Carter has bonus pharaoh abilities on top of that. Yeah, I guess it's just the bonus pharaoh abilities that Carter has. Mm-hmm. I was just like, I don't know. I For some reason, I imagine that as, like, Horus himself being there, but I guess it makes sense that multiple people could do it at once. Yeah, I guess also, like, the gods can ho- put themselves in multiple things at once, right? Oh, like, for sure. Yeah. Horus can host himself in war museums and shit. Yeah, now that I think about it... Oh, actually, that was a big thing at the end of the first book, wasn't it? Mm-hmm. We kind of discovered that. But, oh, you know, now, now that I think about it, Zia has now hosted two gods. Oh, yeah. She's hosted Nephthys and now and now, now Ra. Uh, but yeah, I think that does it for us today. If you'd like to check us out on Twitter, you can do that at UnwiseGirls. Uh, there you can reach us and also find our links to our personal Discord server, no, I'm sorry, our, our our public Discord server for this show, our personal Twitters, all our, our Patreon. If you want to support us, you can check us out on uh, on your podcast app and give us five stars and a nice review if you might want to. Uh, and also recommend us. I appreciate to... it. I might even read it on the show. We would certainly do that, uh, unless it like, had a slur in it or something. In which uh, case, we'd probably just delete it. And you can also support us monetarily on Patreon, patreon.com slash girls. There for a dollar a month, you can get the role in our Discord server of Whittle Doe being, and you will have our everlasting appreciation. Uh, for three dollars a month, you get the role of Big Ba Energy and all of our bonus content. Uh, yep. Uh, like we mentioned on the last uh, bonus episode, we talked about the absolutely no good, very bad movie, uh, Gods of Egypt. Uh, we also discussed some. Homestuck pages and some Doctor Who rumors that turned out to be horseshit. Yeah, they turned out to be false like 10 minutes after we stopped recording. <laughs> and for $5 a month, you'll get the very special role of Bast Headpat Pass. Use it wisely. Don't use it during the fight. You might distract her. That, that's a good, very true. Um, you know, I, I can't stop thinking about it. I hate that Bast does not have cat ears. <laughs> she really should. I don't know. Maybe she can manifest some. Anyway. No, you're you're right. This is this is a crime that Rick needs to rectify. He should apologize for this on Twitter. Uh, <laughs> um, you also also get our bonus content and uh, thank you at the end of our episode. Speaking of which, this week we'd like to thank Mercy, Veronica, Friend, and Erica. Thank you, everyone. Thank you. And as we always say, at the end of every single episode see you next week camp half blood see you next week camp half blood bye bye